0: One was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green. They were all of them, saints of God, and I mean God helping to be one too. Today is All Saints Day, the day when the church celebrates all her saints, those who lived not only in ages past, but also the hundreds of thousands still here on the earth with us. Saints of God are those holy women and men and children who live among us in every generation and who, as the hymn declares, love to do Jesus' will. But what does that really mean? What does it really take to be a saint? How much do you really have to love doing God's will? In today's gospel lesson, Jesus describes a way of life that we often associate with sainthood. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted. Isn't that what sainthood looks like and sounds like? meekness and mercy, persecution and poverty of spirit. But how will even our best intentions ever get us to that remarkable vision of holiness? What could ever make the hymn we sing about wanting to be saints of God, about meaning to be saints of God, what could make that hymn something more than a Sunday school pipe dream. We can take heart in knowing that Jesus' words aren't a prescription for holiness. Jesus' teaching isn't a recipe for sainthood. Instead, They are a description of blessedness. They are the characteristics of God's favor. These words describe the people and places where God and God's salvation are to be found. The only imperative, you might have noticed, that Jesus offers comes at the very end when he tells his hearers to rejoice and be glad. All the rest is a description of what Jesus sees among God's holy people. It might sound strange to you and even to me to hear a preacher say it, but those of us who want to be numbered among God's saints aren't supposed to go out and pursue a mournful countenance or purity of heart. In fact, as Christians, we believe exactly the opposite that saints of God are not holy people whom God claims for his own, but ordinary, flawed, and sinful people like you and me, whom God claims for his own in order that they too might be made holy. The way Matthew sets up this gospel episode is important. Right before this passage starts at the end of Matthew 4, we see that Jesus' popularity has undergone a meteoric rise. Starting with the villages near his hometown, Jesus went about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and sickness among the people. And the people noticed. Jesus' fame spread quickly throughout the region, and before long, crowds from all over were flocking to him so that he might heal their sick, their diseased and lame, and the demon-possessed among them. Soon, Jesus was unable to go anywhere without a great crowd following his every move, and that's where today's gospel lesson starts with Jesus surveying the crowd around him and then deciding to go up on a mountain to sit down. But notice that Matthew doesn't tell us that Jesus left the crowd or that he went away from them. Matthew doesn't mention that the crowd dispersed and went home. No, all that Matthew tells us is that Jesus saw the crowd, then went up on the mountain and sat down, in order to teach his disciples. Where did the crowd go? Where did the unrelenting mass of people who were desperate to see and hear and touch Jesus go? I don't think they went anywhere. I think that as Jesus began to teach his disciples, his closest followers, the strange truth about where God's blessedness is to be found, that the crowd was standing around close enough to hear him, close enough to overhear what Jesus was teaching the disciples. I like to imagine that that crowd, that group of people who had been impressed by Jesus' wonderful ministry, but hadn't quite understood what Jesus was all about, I like to think that they heard these strange words and that at least a few of them heard them as an invitation to see the world through the strange eyes of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and the merciful, those who yearn for righteousness and suffer persecution. In what bizarro world is any of that true? In this world, Jesus tells us, when we finally see the world as God sees it. Jesus did not come to the earth in order to win any political campaigns or to start any religious institutions. He came in order that we might be saved from our sins and might be reconciled to God and to one another. That kind of work, God's work, doesn't happen in places where people have everything figured out. It's not noticed in communities where everyone already has all of their needs met. It's not celebrated in households where prosperity insulates the members from the brokenness of the world. No, God's salvation, God's blessing, and God's favor come to those who are desperate for it. And Jesus came to the world to show us that truth. Jesus is the one who reveals strength in weakness and salvation through sacrifice. He is the one who welcomes the outcast and lifts up the downtrodden. He is the one who shows God's love for the unlovable and God's blessing among those whom the world holds in scorn. He is the one who dies a shameful death so that sinners like you and me might have everlasting life. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what it means to be a saint of God, to see the world through those eyes. Being a saint of God is not about being an example of holiness for all the world to admire. It's about giving our lives over to the one who came to proclaim God's blessedness among the poor, the hungry, the meek, and the mournful. Those of us who believe that Those of us who believe that that's where God's blessedness is to be found, we are the ones who are made holy by God through Jesus Christ. That's what makes us saints. If that sounds strange to you, don't worry. It is strange. It is strange to think of the poor in spirit as the ones who display the riches of faith. It is strange to see those who mourn as the ones who have a claim on true joy. In fact, it's so strange that Jesus warns his disciples that the world will push back against those who inhabit that strange approach to life. Blessed are you, he tells them, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And What are his disciples, his saints, supposed to do in the face of such rejection? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you aren't hearing these words of Jesus as if they are being spoken directly to you, don't worry, you're still close enough to hear them. And the invitation is yours if you want it. In every generation, there are saints among us who have caught a glimpse of what the world looks like through Jesus' eyes. They are the strange sort of people who have devoted their lives to that way in which poverty, struggle, and emptiness are the way that leads to abundant and overflowing life. They are the ones who know what it means to be saved not by the goodness of their own making but by the blessedness given to them by Jesus. They are, in fact, disciples of Jesus, sinners made holy by the grace of God, chosen and beloved to become God's saints. And there's not any reason, no, not the least, why we shouldn't be one too.